Well, whether you're with us for the first time online or here in person uh, or joining in, we just want to say welcome and good morning. And in the grace and mercy and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, welcome to our service of worship and celebration. But just before we begin, as usual, just a few family matters to look after. First, if you're visiting with us, know that you are very welcome. We would appreciate knowing about your visit if you would just fill in one of the uh, visitor's cards at the, in the pew rack in front of you and just drop it off in the Stanley Park Cafe afterwards at the uh, Welcome Centre. A very special welcome today to Compassion Canada and to Jacob Moon. Uh, you probably have already noticed the displays tables up in the foyer for the excellent work of Compassion as they reach out to help children around the world. And Brian and Sylvia are here with Compassion, as is Jacob. I'm sure they would welcome any questions you have. And after the service, before you go into the cafe, make sure you stop at the tables. Have a look at, at some of the children there who desperately need help. Help that you and I and people like us can, can give. And so be sure to do that and be sure to uh, have a chance to speak with Brian and Sylvie and especially have a chance to welcome our guest Jacob as well. Jacob, I've discovered, is a local boy. He's from the KW area originally. Uh, he actually trained or did his uh, studies up at Wilfrid Laurier. Yes, Wilfrid Laurier. And uh, he's a recording artist, uh, a songwriter, a father and a husband. So I'm going to let him say the rest of it afterwards when he comes up here. But we do want to welcome everyone with us today. Now, as you know, we have been receiving a love offering this month for uh, Joed and his family as they move on to whatever the next step is God has for them. And if you'd like to participate, simply mark your offering, love offering. Uh, it will be handed in today if it could be. However, if it trickles in, we'll just give it to them separately after we see them tomorrow and give the offering to them. But uh, please, and just remember, love offerings are not tax receivable. Christianity Explored, our campaign coming up in the fall. And as you already know, this is a seven-week walk through the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to allow the Gospel of Mark to preach the Gospel to people. And uh, this is the time now when we need you to be praying, to be praying for the campaign, to be praying specifically whom God might lay on your heart to invite to be a part of this campaign, to pray for the leaders, to pray for all that's going to be happening. So please be much in prayer. There are little prayer cards that you can pick up at the Welcome Center that you can list names of people that God might uh, put on your heart and encourage uh, you to uh, include into the uh, campaign itself. So you can pick those up at the Welcome Center in the cafe. SPBC 101, if you have been thinking you want to know more about us and about our church, or if you'd like to look at the possibility of membership or what that might mean, uh, we have uh, SPBC 101, a one-hour introduction as to who we are, and that will be happening on Sunday, September the 10th, immediately following the service. So plan to stay and find out more about that. There will be lots of things happening. September 17th will be our kickoff for our fall and winter ministry year, and you'll be hearing more about those things. 
following the service after the benediction, if you would just remain seated for a few minutes before we go, uh, our board chair, um, Kevin Flatt, would like to take the opportunity to update us as a congregation on the question that we've been looking at with our CBOQ affiliation. So you might want to just stay for that. And then again, remember, uh, Pastor Gary and his family are still on vacation till, for one more week. Uh, if you have any pastoral needs or concerns, just simply contact myself or Pastor Peter or just call the church office. So following this morning's service, first we'll have a quick update. Second, stop at the compassion tables and have a talk with Brian and Sylvie. And then come join us over at the SPBC Cafe. And let's just get together and have a great time of fellowship. But for right now, I'm going to ask Jacob if he would come and if he would lead us in worship. Stand with me this morning, guys. We're going to sing together. We're going to sing a song that says, This is Amazing Grace. Let's sing this together.
for me. said and sung this morning and that you would just inhabit our praises and uh, speak to us of who you are, the God who answers prayer in your perfect timing, the God who uh, delivers the uh, powerless and the downtrodden uh, from oppressors and um, Lord, the God who, the God who, God who sees, uh, you know, the, the sparrow falling, Lord. We, uh, we love you for that, and we just uh, thank you for being with us here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow.
go, I'll go. Will you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you. Whom you love, I'll love. How you serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, I will follow. says what a beautiful name it is you were the word at the beginning one with God the Lord most high your hidden glory in creation now Christ, what a beautiful name it is. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory. 
seated. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you for leading us in that worship. And uh, if I hadn't mentioned it before, he does have a number of recordings that he has made, and he's a recording artist as well. So you are able to uh, pick that up at some point if you want as well. This morning, I just really want to, just before I pray for the kids for their Bible Town time, I want to say thank you. A very special thank you to all of our Bible Town workers. They have carried on all summer, and all summer the volunteers have continued volunteering, they've continued uh, coming and, and teaching and having the kids come through the, the Bible Town rooms, and I just want to say thank you. That has been a big uh, thank you very much. Not, not, only, not only do we have a program, but we have kids to go into that program. And so we really thank and praise God for that. This time I'm going to, uh, in a moment, I'm just going to pray for the kids, pray for our offering, and we'll dismiss the kids uh, at that time too. I mean, this is usually something Joed does. I don't think I've ever done this before. Okay. So I'm going to pray for and dismiss the kids to the Bible town, and then I'm going to pray for the offering. Would you bow with me? Father in heaven, we come to you with hearts that are overflowing with thankfulness for the children that you have blessed us with. We thank you for their families, and we thank you for their desire to learn more about you, more about your love for them, more about the glorious salvation you have given us through Jesus Christ. Bless their teachers and leaders this morning. Help the children to be attentive and open to what you would have them learn. Do your work of grace and mercy in their hearts. Grant them saving faith. Thank you, Father, for your bountiful provision. You have blessed us richly, and we thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to return to you a portion of what you have blessed us with. So, Father, take the offerings, take the gifts we have made, and use them in the furtherance of your kingdom here upon this earth through the work you have called us to do. We pray all these things in the strong and loving name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. All right, children, you can uh, be dismissed and go to your Bible town now at the back. And I know that you've got uh, teachers waiting for you back there and helpers, and you'll have a great time uh, learning things as well. As I said, I haven't done this part of the service before, so this, this is a little tricky for me because I don't know how I go from that prayer to the next one, okay? So we're just going to do it. <laughs> That's the easiest way. Uh, we've come to the time when we do want to just take a moment and come together, gather together around the throne of grace in prayer. We call it the pastoral prayer. This is Compassion Sunday. This is the Sunday we really want to think about those who don't have all that we have, those who have less in the world, those who need the love and support of other people in the world. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty creator, sovereign God of the universe, we humbly come gathering around your throne this morning lifting our praise and adoration, our prayers and petitions to the eternal creator God, the one who is none other than the sustainer of life itself. 
God, when we want to know truth, we only have to look to you, for you are truth itself, deceiving no one, revealing the things we truly need to know, and freeing all who would seek forgiveness from sin. Father, we daily look for your love, knowing that there is no one who loves us more, no one who loves with such a pure and holy and beautiful love, for you are love itself. God, we look to you for peace in our lives, for your shalom to rule within our hearts and minds, knowing that the gift of your spirit within fills us and leads us into a rightness and a oneness with you, our glorious creator, eternal savior. You are our loving Heavenly Father, not by anything we have done, not by any right we think we may possess, but simply by your grace and through your everlasting mercy, through your great love for us broke through the barriers of sin as he hung on Calvary's cross in our place. For it is only through the blood of Jesus Christ that we can know the forgiveness of, of sin. For you have looked upon us with compassion and forgiveness for everything we have ever done against you. Lord, we live in a world that needs to know what we've experienced for ourselves. And we, need, we know that you look to us, those who have experienced your goodness for ourselves, to be the conduits through whom you will work. So we thank you for organizations such as Compassion and the tremendous work they do in reaching out to people, especially to children around the world, helping to make their lives just a little bit better, providing so many of the things we simply take for granted in the bountiful lives that we live day by day without a second thought. Father, bless this organization. Bless the work that they do. Bless those who work at together, Father, and take on the sponsoring of children. And we pray, Father, that they will reap rewards aplenty as they give generously. Forgive us when we've been so self-centered that others have gone hungry. Forgive us when we have been more concerned about our own enjoyments and entertainments that others in this world have had to do without so many of just the simple, basic essentials of life. Help us to see. Help us to know what we can do, even as you would abundantly bless the work of, of such missions as compassion. We too are a people with many and varied needs, we all agree. There's not a person in this room, every person who has joined us online, we all come before you with needs. Some need to know your healing touch. And so this morning, I want to pray specifically for Grace's sister, Barb. I want to pray for young Nicole as she's undergoing cancer treatments. And for her mother, who's her caregiver. We remember those in our midst who are dealing with debilitating illnesses. And we especially pray for Janice and for Matthew, for Linda's dad, David. And for all the others who simply need to know that you are there with them in the midst of what they are dealing with in their own lives. We pray for our seniors. 
for those who are struggling with aging bodies that simply don't do what they once did. Be the comforter who is there with those who can no longer get out and and do things for themselves. We especially want to remember Doreen, Elaine, Dorothy, Stan, and all our dear senior saints. Bless them, each one. Be with them. Help them when the going just gets to be too much. We especially pray for Nancy and Harvey as they look to make a very difficult move at the end of next month. Lord, we also remember all of our younger families, families with parents who are wanting to teach their children the truth of your word and the way to live their lives in a world that doesn't welcome you or your word and especially your truth. Help each family, Father. Help, each, help the parents to be careful and to be diligent in their teaching and their raising of their children. Help each family to be an outpost of your love, your grace, and your mercy in every corner of this city that you've placed them. We pray for those who are struggling with grief and loss. It's so hard, Lord. So hard to give up, to give our love to others here on earth and then to know that one day, at least for a time, we will be separated from those we give ourselves to in love. And so we pray for those who are grieving, for Bill and his family, David and his family, for Dick and Joanne, Randy, Evan and Noah, for Harold and Catherine, for all who need to know that that gentleness of your loving presence, your comforting arm around them, the careful wiping of tears, be with all who grieve. Father, we also want to pray for Pastor Gary and his family as as they finish out their vacation. We pray for the blessing of rest and refreshment, for the building and bonding of family. We pray for Joed and DeJulie as they prepare to move on to the next step of their lives. Meet their needs. Go ahead of them. Bless them in a beautiful way. And now, O Lord, as we come to the time when we gather around your word, Speak through Jacob the truth and the message that you would have us hear. May your spirit move hearts and fill our minds with understanding. And may your word accomplish all that you send it out to do. We pray in Jesus' most loving and compassionate name. Amen. I'm going to ask Jacob if he'll come in a moment here to uh, bring the word to speak to us, whatever God has laid on his heart. But, you know, Compassion, you may, you may or may not be familiar with this organization. They do a tremendous job in helping children who need help, who come from poor areas. But I'm going to let Jacob tell you all about that. He knows it better than I do. And so, Jacob, welcome to Stanley Park. God bless as you bring the word to us. Thank you so much, Pastor Paul. Such a pleasure to get to, to meet you and get to know you a little bit here today. Um, and thanks for bringing me in and bringing compassion in to, to share this morning. Uh, this morning, it's really a good news story. You know, sometimes people come and they share about things that are happening around the world, and uh, it's, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of things that are tough to hear. Um, this is actually something that is working. It is restoring kids to... Um, yeah, to to God and to uh, and uh, to financial health and to uh, to to hope, you know. Finally, and it's also this morning a, a, a really a message of uh, something that's personal to me. You know, I'm a singer songwriter. 
I, uh, I travel around and I sing and I entertain and that's kind of my job. Uh, but I, I, I'm not really a public speaker, but uh, I share this story because it's so personal to me. The story of compassion and the story of my family are inextricably linked um, and have been for some time. And so I'll share a little bit more about that as well. But just a little bit about me. I'm from, uh, originally from here in Kitchener-Waterloo. Um, and I grew up in the West End, Forest Heights. Anybody? Forest Heights? No? Okay. Uh, <laughs> spent a lot of time in Kitchener Transit, you know, getting around town. Learned how to, how to, the whole layout of the city just by getting on the bus, falling asleep on the bus, going around again, you know, and getting a real good look at the city, you know, that way. So it was good. Um, <laughs> and um, I, uh, I live, as I say, I live in Hamilton now. I think we have a, I think we have a picture of, uh, of Hamilton. Let's see if this thing works here. There it is. That's a picture of Hamilton. It's, uh, it's lovely this time of year. It's, uh, you should really, yeah, <laughs> that's right, exactly. Oski, wee wee, all that stuff. But, uh, uh, but no, the, uh, <laughs> my, my, uh, my nephew's a big fan of the Lord of the Rings books and movies, and uh, he, he drove by the, the site, which you can see from the, uh, the, the Skyway Bridge that takes you to nicer places like Niagara and the Lake. Um, and uh, he looked at this scene and he, th- he said, you know, uh, Hamilton kind of looks, like, uh, looks like Mordor, you know. And you can't, uh, you can't fault his observational powers there. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, you know, that, that's where we live, Mordor, my wife and I. But, uh, but we've, we've been there for some time. We love it there. And we, um, we get to travel from there to places all around the world. Um, we've got to go to uh, Dominican Republic, to Haiti to uh, El Salvador with the work of compassion. And it was kind of a, a drag uh, for all of us there, I think, when the pandemic was on that we, we couldn't travel as much as we wanted to. And uh, I remember saying to my wife, I said, honey, just put a big map of the world up on the fridge there, and I'm going to throw a dart, and wherever that lands, that's where we're going when this whole thing blows over. And so we're spending about two weeks behind the fridge is what we're doing, apparently. That's where we're going there. It's going to be nice. Are we still in Mordor? Okay, sorry. Um, but uh, so we're, uh, anyways, but we are, we are hoping that we can get back into the field and see the work of compassion uh, on the ground. How many people have heard of compassion here this morning? Yeah, lots of hands. Yeah. And many of you probably are already sponsors, which thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for walking with compassion. They work in uh, over 25 countries around the world, working with uh, kids um, and just trying to see them rescued from poverty in the name of Jesus. They do that through working with the local church. So they're church-based, they're Christ-centered, they're child-focused. That's what they are. That's what they've been since the beginning over 70 years ago. When they started as one person doing that for one child, there's a pastor who was preaching to the troops in Korea and saw that there were orphans there as a result of the conflicts. He decided he would be someone for one of these little ones. And uh, that grew to two, grew to four, grew to a whole organization uh, that has uh, offices around the world, including right here in Canada in London. Um, and so I first learned about them back in um, the late 90s. I was at a Rich Mullins concert, and Rich was talking about, um, he, he wrote that song, Our God is an Awesome God. If you remember that one? Um, and he was talking all about compassion, and I thought, I have to become a sponsor. This just, just sounds too good. And uh, I haven't regretted a single day of that decision since then. Many, many sponsor kids since then have, have, uh, have gone through the, the, the program and graduated to do great things, to become teachers, 
to become, uh, you know, people who sow back into the community that they came from. And um, they really, you know, they don't just kind of, as soon as they are rescued from poverty, leave their country and go to other places. They stay in country, many of them, and they work on trying to help the next generation, if they can, to just have a little bit of help, to have an advocate, someone who will be there for them. And when we went to El Salvador, I guess it was back in 2009, my wife and I, we, um, we got to see just what they were up against, kids, you know, growing up in the third world. And it's real, you know, it's wherever there's war, wherever there is poverty, wherever there is um, natural disasters, it's always the kids who have the worst time of it. It's always the kids who are the least able to defend themselves in that situation, if you think about it. They really need the grown-ups in their lives to provide for them, uh, to defend them, to educate them, to feed them. And many times the adults in their lives are overwhelmed themselves. You know, a lot of times it's a single mom raising eight kids. In a country like El Salvador, where it's, you're lucky to get a couple dollars a, d- a day, you know what I mean, just from working a few jobs. And uh, so kids are oftentimes struggling with that. But it's not just that, it's violence. And violence, anytime you have hot temperatures, uh, and it's just, uh, the violence can sometimes erupt. And if there's a lot of poverty, and if there's an extreme ideology, these are sort of a, 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 a hornet's nest for this kind of stuff to happen. And uh, it's always kids who are sort of conscripted into these um, gangs. And gangs are a big problem in El Salvador. Gangs are kind of what is left over after the conflicts of the Civil War ended, um, you know, 30 years ago. Um, and so um, they're the most sophisticated gangs in the world. They're sort of widely regarded that way. Very small country, but very sophisticated gangs. And they will kind of hunt down kids and say, okay, you're, you're coming with us, you're in our gang, or else we're going to, you know, something bad is going to happen to your family. And uh, that's a terrible thing to think about, but that's what kids have to be thinking about every day. And so they need, a, they need a shelter from the storm. You know, they desperately need that. And so compassion provides that. There's a, in churches all over uh, El Salvador, uh, in all the countries that compassion works in, there's little churches that where the, the volunteers are there for the kids. They're there to have, make sure that they get clean water, they get nutritious food, they get help with their homework. If they're sick, there's medical attention for them. This is unheard of in their own communities. Um, and uh, you see that from time to time, that, that's, uh, that, that their communities are, are uh, oftentimes just whatever has not fallen over since the last natural disaster. Whatever ruins are still standing, that's what they're kind of squatting in. And um, so it, it sort of, it, it leaves you, when you come home from an experience like that, you sort of feel like, oh, Lord, you know, you can be overwhelmed. You can have almost a reverse culture shock of coming back to Canada and seeing nice cars and clean streets and, you know, full supermarkets of just bounty, right? And you just think, like, Lord, what, is, what, is, what would you have me do for what I just saw, right? And if you've ever been on a missions trip, you know what I'm talking about, right? And there's a few passages of Scripture that come to mind when I think about what is God passionate about? Because we have our passions, you know, our work, our family, ourselves, if we're honest, but God has his passions. He is passionate about the poor. He's passionate about the oppressed. He is passionate about those for whom there seems to be no one. And they, he wants to make sure that everyone knows 
that they have someone. And so there's passages like this, Psalm 35, 10, my whole being will exclaim, who is like you, O Lord? You rescue the poor from those too strong for them, the poor and needy from those who rob them. Now that's not just what the Lord does, right? We know that. Just the, the, the nuance of this passage is that um, how does this rescue happen? It happens through his body, his hands, his feet. That's us, right? We get to do that work alongside of, of God. That um, he will point out those opportunities for us to become part of a saving force that will help to rescue those who are being robbed, those who are being um, strong-armed into things that they don't want to do. Matthew 10, 42, it says, and if anyone gives even a cup of water to any of these little ones who, because he's my disciple, I will tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. And, you know, it's, of course, there's a lot of um, evangelical organizations that might go into a place like El Salvador and just try to save souls. And um, that's a worthy enterprise. I, I'm, I'm all about evangelism. I think that's wonderful. But when you're going into a place like that, where there's such need, there's such physical and, and material need every day, um, you can't leave that other part undone of giving that cup of water, of giving that practical help to those kids. Because, you know, that's, that's real incarnational giving. You know, it's when, when people go and they give of themselves and they give of their material resources. Because, of course, God didn't just come to us and say, okay, guys, love you, take care, think you're great, you know what I mean? He's, he, he gave of his only son, right, that we would know that we are not alone. The next passage, it says, eight, Psalm 82, 80, uh, verse 3 says, defend the cause of the weak and fatherless. So many fatherless, right, in this, in this place that we went to. Maintain the rights of the poor and oppressed. And um, when these kids who come to the Compassion Project learn about Jesus, they learn about a heavenly father that loves them, a good father that loves to give good gifts and has not forgotten them, right? And they learn about that and they see it exemplified and it's, it's, it's incarnated through the people who are working in those places, through their sponsors who are writing them letters. There's so many ways in which they feel the love of God. They don't just hear about it, but they feel that love. And it really affects not just their lives, but their family's lives. Because when they come home and they say, hey, mom, dad, guess where I was today? I was at church and they said this today. And they, were, they offered me this. And I was able to, you know, get help for what I'm going through. Suddenly now the parents are coming to the church. And through that, families are changed. And through that, communities are changed. And as communities change cities and towns, there's all the hope in the world that a little place like El Salvador would one day grow up to become more like its namesake, which is Republic of the Savior, right? And um, I love that passage. And when I think about all the kids that we met in places like Hurricane Alley, which this picture shows you, um, again, lean-tos, three walls of four, no roof or leaky roof, no running water, no electricity, just pretty rough living, right? And these kids are smiling on this day because they're, they're, they had visitors, this folks from Compassion coming to say hi. And um, we get to meet these kids that uh, are in the Compassion program. 
they receive letters from their compassion sponsor that they keep in a gift wrapped box under their bed as their most prized possession. And with tears in their eyes, they just, I remember them saying to me, this person on the other end of the world that didn't even know me, never met me, they loved me. They followed God's lead and just gave me what I needed to escape what I'm going through. And um, what a powerful, powerful testimony that is. And so we got to meet our sponsor child, a little girl named Sarah, who was eight years old at the time when we went down to El Salvador. And this is a beautiful picture of her. And she's, uh, she uh, didn't speak English. I didn't speak Spanish. I mean, I tried two weeks before the trip. Got the old Rosetta Stone out, you know, tried to get the... No, it didn't quite work that way, but, uh, but it was fine. In fact, it was amazing because we, we got off the bus and right away she came and she embraced my wife and I, and we just started playing and having fun, and we kind of met through the eyes and through play, and just she'd blow bubbles. we kind of poke each other in the arm and run away and kind of had this little playful banter, and she just kind of felt, felt like a part of our family, you know, and um, that was really, really significant for my wife and I because we had been praying for years that we would be able to have a family of our own and just before this trip the doctors just basically said it's probably it's probably not going to happen for you guys and so you should probably make other plans you know and that was heartbreaking for me but it was really heartbreaking for my wife who had been wanting and praying for kids you know since she could remember and you know, when you, uh, when you pray a repetitive prayer over and over and over again, you know, you can start to feel a little bit alone. And of course, it's a lonely feeling even just being in that place of going through an infertility journey. I mean, we weren't alone, as it turns out. One in seven couples in Canada know that pain, right? And so there's people, I'm sure, even in this congregation today that know what I'm talking about. But when we uh, would pray that prayer over and over again. And it was, it was a really heartfelt prayer. It was like, Lord, where are you? Do, you? do you hear my prayer? Do you have the power to change my story? You know, do you love me enough to do that? It's just sort of the raw, honest prayers that we pray when we're, when we're going through stuff like this. And, and so we laid that out for him. We said, Lord, if it's not supposed to happen, just take the desire away from us. And we kind of opened our, our hands to him. And he didn't take that desire away. He just kind of left us in a bit of suspense, which sometimes he does. I wrote this song in the middle of the night, one night when we were in that waiting phase. And it's not just a song for waiting for children. It's a song about waiting, you know, on God for whatever, whether that's a job or whether that's healing or that's just... That's, that a loved one would come back to the fold, back to Jesus, whatever it is that you've been praying over and over for, you know, and you've been waiting for that answer. Um, this is a song for you this morning. This is called End of the Road. And with it all, the 
hopes are falling Every dream she whispers to the night As she turns out the light Well, I will put my arms around her Softly I will speak her name It's not the end of the road, my love I believe we'll walk in the light It's not the end of the road, my love It's not like we haven't prayed, my love We've been down on our knees every night Heaven knows It's not the end of the road, my love This world only loves you when it's all smiles and I'm doing fine When your broken heart is on your sleeve That's when love leaves you far behind Not every time Cause I won't let you sink down Tell me everything you're It's not the end of the road, my love It's not like we haven't prayed, my love We've been down on our knees every night Heaven knows just kind of, you know, bouncing around for us over the period of weeks leading up to that trip that we just prayed, Lord, would you give us some kind of idea of what we're supposed to do next? And um, this trip where we met Sarah just kind of opened a door in our minds that maybe, just maybe there was an opportunity for us to pursue an option we hadn't considered, which was adoption. And adoption is a theme that runs all through the scriptures, right? It's our, it's our story. It's that we've been adopted. 
into that first family of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there's a passage that actually talks about this, where it says in Galatians, um, it says, But when the right time came, God sent his Son to buy freedom for us, who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, get that part, we are his children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. I love that, that he adopts us, then he reminds us that that's exactly what he just did. Gives us, you know, the line to call out, which is Abba, Father. And um, so that was on our minds as we started the process of figuring out what adoption looks like for us. Do we do it international? Seems like a long wait, some uncertainty there. Or do we do something local? So we decided to do local in Hamilton with the Children's Aid Society, and we, uh, we reached out to them and said, okay, what do we do? They said, okay, we've got to find a social worker, you got to fill out a lot of forms, there's a lot of interviews. You have to take an eight-week-long course to learn how to become parents. So I noticed nobody else has to take a course to learn how to become parents. I don't know if you... <laughs> just us, okay. Um, We learned a lot, and one of the things we learned was that we could be waiting for a long time for a match through the children's aid. Um, And so we just hunkered down for what what seemed like it might be years of more waiting, and it had already been years of waiting at this point. But in April of 2010, we got a phone call, and they said, okay, you guys sitting down. There's a little boy who was born to a teenage mom who couldn't take care of him. And we want to know if you'd like to just meet him and see if it's a match for you guys. And um, so I remember looking at the calendar after that phone call and realizing it had been almost exactly nine months since we started that journey. You know, interesting. Nine months, of course, the average gestation period for a human life. Just want to make sure we're all on the same page. Don't leave anybody out there. But we, uh, we thought, okay, maybe significant, maybe, maybe just a coincidence, you know. And uh, so we went up the mountain in Hamilton. And we have a mountain in Hamilton. I don't know if you knew that. It's, it's, mad, it's majestic. <laughs> um, and so there in, the, uh, in this little house on the mountain, uh, when we're walking up the driveway, I'll never forget this. There he is in the picture window. This little mop of blonde curls looking back at, he, back at me and, and my wife and, and waving at us. And the door opens and this little hand grabs my hand and pulls me across the threshold of this foster home. And I remember feeling like my life was kind of changing walking through that door. Like it was almost like a portal <laughs> to another dimension. Something was happening. And I met the foster family at that time and a wonderful Christian couple who had been looking after this little boy since he was born. And um, there was another little crib in the corner with another little boy in it. We said, who's that? And I said, oh, that's um, his brother, actually. So he's not ready to be adopted yet, but maybe someday if you're open to a sibling group. I'm like, all right, moving fast here. Okay, we just came to look at one, but we'll see. Sure, two. Yeah, that's good. Um, and uh, it, was, it was head spinning. But I remember getting on the floor and starting to play with, with uh, Tonka trucks with the oldest boy. And I'm just kind of looking into his eyes and moving these trucks around and thinking, who's this little guy going to be? And right at that moment, I looked at the television screen in their living room, and something caught my eye. You know when you see your own name, you kind of just perk up, you kind of like, yeah, that's me. My name is on their television screen. 
I just met them like five minutes ago. I'm like, what's going on? Why is my name in your TV? Oh, they say, oh, we were listening to the satellite radio through the television. So they must be, you know, must be playing one of your songs. They said, must be because they had, the, they had the sound all the way down on the television, which, you know, I tried not to, not to take it personally, you know what I mean, that they would do that, but, uh, but I was like, okay. Um, so maybe, maybe we'll just turn up the volume. I'm just curious to see what song that is. And they turn up the volume, and it's that song that I just sang for you. Maybe that's just a coincidence, too, right? Or it's the most personal way that a personal God can answer the most personal prayer, right? That's, that's, that's who he is. That's, that's what he does. He puts the lonely in families. He answers prayer. And in that one moment, he answered all the questions. Right? Lord, where are you? Do you have the power to change my story? Do you love me enough to do that? You hear this heartfelt prayer, and he did, and he responded. And that day we decided we would make some decisions. We would adopt this little boy. We would name him Gabriel. We would bring him home to live with us. And in the next couple of weeks, we did just that, and we snapped this picture on our front porch on Mother's Day, 2010. There he is. And time went by, and he celebrated his third birthday with us. And we kept praying, Lord, what's supposed to happen with his little brother? His little brother Simon was still at that same foster family's home, and so we would keep visiting him over the course of 18 months, hoping, but not assured, not guaranteed, but it maybe would happen. And there's a little Psy guy right there, and just right around Christmas 2011, he came home to join his big brother Gabe, and um, there's the two of them right there. And uh, yeah, time went by, and we learned that they had a little sister as well. I was like, how far is this going exactly? You know, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm not sure God knew, but I'm an independent singer-songwriter. You know what I mean? We, we, uh, we can't do 19 kids and counting, right? But, uh, we, um, but of course, you know, if this little girl needed a soft place to land, it should be with us. It should be with her brothers. And so right around um, three and a half years after we heard about that, or my wife calls it the longest pregnancy ever, uh, she finally came home and joined us. And so um, there they are. And, of course, a little older now. Um, and uh, why do I share that story? What does that have to do with compassion? Well, as it turns out, it has a lot to do with compassion. It's, there's kids around the world who are praying that same prayer, Lord, where are you? Do you hear my prayer? Do you have the power to change my story? Do you love me enough to do that? I need a forever family. I need somebody to be on my side. You know, people say God is love. Prove it. Right? That's what they're saying. Prove it. I don't see it. I look around me. I see that it's desperate out here. And I just don't see any evidence that God exists. How beautiful would that be for one of us here this morning to step into that and to say, no, God does exist. He actually told me to sponsor you. And for that to be the way 
that they begin their journey out of poverty and into all that God has for them. It's always through relationship, right? It's always through relationships, always through people that he works. And we're people here this morning. For some reason, I'm here. For some reason, you're here this morning. And maybe that is a divine appointment to begin a journey with these little ones, with one little one. We can't fix the problem of global child poverty this morning, but we can for sure, for sure, guaranteed, change one life this morning. And we have dozens of little lives out on tables here this morning. I don't think of them as child packs. I think of them as children who are waiting to begin their, their uh, relationship with you, with God, and to dream of a better life. I'll never forget, I was singing and doing what I was doing this morning for an, an event in Ottawa, and I wasn't doing the speaking that morning. It was actually a fellow who was a former Compassion Sponsor child, and uh, he was speaking and sharing his experience, and I was all ears. I was like, okay, what was this like for you? And he said, well, when I was growing up, my parents said, the best we can hope for you is that you will become a drug dealer or a thief. This is the number one and the number two occupation options for you. And what do we tell our kids, right? You can do anything. You can be anything. Right? And wouldn't that, a little bit of that hope go a long way in a place like Haiti, in a place like El Salvador, in the Dominican Republic, we're going to take a look at a uh, video that shows some more kids who've grown up out of the Compassion Sponsor Program and into remarkable lives. And I'm just going to say a few words after this video, um, but let's take a look at this. In the Philippines, it's so smelly, very dark water. You can see trash, rats. In a given week, we'll go at least for three days without food. The friends that I played with in the neighborhood got captured and was being trained to become child soldiers. We would beg our parents just to buy one apple, but even the rotten ones we could not afford to buy. In a period of 18 months, I lost my small brother, Patrick, my mom, and I lost my stepdad because of the terrifying disease of HIV AIDS. When my mother died, I was lost. I was looking for hope, for God to just show me that everything was going to be okay. I would be so jealous with other kids. I would feel that I don't really count. Since God, you say you love us, why do you have to take so much from me? I don't know why Aaron Mitchell decided to sponsor me, but when he did, my whole life changed. People from Compassion showed up at my church. But they said, you're going to go to school, and then somebody's going to write to you. I don't have to worry about whether my parents would have enough money to keep me going to school long enough to become that educated person uh, that I wanted to be. We go to school, and it's usually like really good meal that we don't usually eat, and especially spaghetti and fried chicken. <laughs> I knew like 
even if I get sick, someone was there to take care of me. I felt safe. I felt wanted. My sponsor is Edwin Bunny, Maria and Hanshru. Aaron Mitchell. Five women from a Lutheran church that were sponsoring me that really invested in my life and changed my life. I am now a physical therapist and I'm working in a hospital. Uh, today I'm a clinical social worker. I was the first child in my family to go to high school. I was the first child in my family to go to college. I have a bachelor and a master in, in, in biomedical engineering, a second master in engineering management, and uh, I called me into ministry, so I had to go and get a third master, a master of divinity. In Kenya today, I have a ministry called Youth Arise Africa that works with boys who don't have father figures. We opened a small school. It's now providing the same opportunity that Compassion provided to me to close to 300 kids so that they too can break out of the cycle of poverty. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. You did it for me. You did for me. Sponsor a child today to break the cycle of poverty in a child's life like my sponsor did for me. I first sp sponsored a child back in the year 1997, and I thought at the time that what it was was I sponsor that child, and that child gets out of poverty. And that's not it at all. <laughs> it's not just that one child that breaks out of poverty. It's through that child and what they grow up to become. As you saw in that video, how they invest in the next generation how their families are lifted from poverty because of what they're able to accomplish academically and professionally. It's, it's a remarkable thing. But this is how, it shouldn't be surprising to us that this happens because that's how Jesus works. If you think of that story where he's preaching to the multitudes and there's not enough food to feed them. They're getting tired, they're getting hungry, uh, the, the, the disciples say, we have these loaves, these fishes, it's not many. And Jesus says, bring me what you have. And then he performs the miracle of multiplying it out to the crowd. And that's what he wants to do this morning. He just says, bring me what you have. I mean, compassion, it's $47 a month. That isn't a lot of money. It's however, whatever Starbucks math you use to figure that out. I don't know. Is it, is it a, a latte a week? I don't know. Um, but it's, uh, it's something like that. And, and it's something that is doable for us, but is life-changing and transformative for that child. So you've maybe heard the story before. You maybe haven't acted on it. You weren't sure if it was the right time. Maybe today is the right time to sponsor a child. Or if you already do sponsor a child, but you have more than one child or grandchild, then maybe think about adding one to the roster so that that young life maybe can write letters to someone their age. And when you do that, you can transform two young lives at once. That of your own child or grandchild and that of that one around the world who is just waiting for that answer to that question. Lord, are you there? Do you hear my prayer? Um, we're going to stand this morning and sing. And then I look forward to meeting many of you after the service um, at the back. And just come, please come and say hi to uh, Sylvia and Brian and, and myself. We'd love to answer any questions that you have. Let's stand together.
Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, kindness of the Savior, the hope of nations. As we go, I would like to leave a few words from the word with you, one or two paraphrased words in there. In Hebrews, we read, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison as if you were, your, you were yourself. 
Remember those who are being mistreated as if, they're, as if you felt their pain for your own. Remember those who are hungry, thirsty. But the needy will not be ignored forever. The hopes of the poor will always, will not always be crushed through the compassion of God's people. Amen.